Hello out there, welcome to the Tall Tree Recording Studios podcast. Listen to the beautiful sounds of Campbell Ross playing a Lance Litchfield classical guitar, and he's my guest today. Hope you enjoy it. podcast land i'm with the amazing lance litchfield who's been a good friend of mine for about 20 years and he's a classical guitar maker so welcome to the podcast lance good afternoon (laughs) thanks for having me um so we were studying psychology together um as about 20 years ago i can't remember the exact date actually longer (laughs) (laughs) maybe we shouldn't get into that um and both of us went into different uh, less financially viable <laughs> careers. Um, and I think I remember, and so Lance started um, making guitars, I think, around about our third year. And I think basically we did a lot of drunken parties where all of us learnt guitar. <laughs> all of us learnt Stand By Me, Four Chords, Four Chords and Truth. And uh, in over that period of time, you started making guitars. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Just before finished um, the uh, psychology degree, yeah, I uh, started uh, building a guitar, and uh, went on from there. And my recollection um, is, I clearly remember um, this is partly giving myself a rap or partly uh, incriminating myself, but I remember you being at a crossroads about whether you should do it or not. And me actually convincing you it was a good idea. <laughs> Great, I got someone to blame. <laughs> anyway, I thought you had talent for it. Um, and my dad bought your very first guitar for five hundred dollars, and yeah. I bought your second guitar for seven hundred fifty dollars. Um, I was going to make a career out of buying and selling your guitars because I sold I sold it for twelve hundred dollars because I had too many steel string guitars anyway. Not that it wasn't great. My dad still has that first guitar of yours. I don't think he's played it, uh, but he just liked the idea of it. Um, and so since then, you've sold them for sort of 10 times that amount. Is that right? Like, you, yeah. So you, you have a lot of high-end players to buy them. Is it sort of eight or 9,000 you sell them for now? Yeah, eight and a half at the moment. That's Australian dollars. Um, but they've been going up steadily since that point. So at the moment, they're... I still think they're pretty good value at that price uh, when you compare them to other guitars around the place. But yeah. Yep. Um, so I might... You brought one of your guitars here. Yeah. And I'm a top-quality classical player. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I might masquerade a few chords and people can have a listen. Sure. Yep. Unless you want to play. <laughs> De- definitely not. <laughs> Maybe once upon a time, but no, not now. Um, Jesus, it's heavy. Mm. Yeah, that's a modern classical guitar. Can't find a pick. Okay, so I think I'm going to grab a pick. Okay, I'm just a bit um, scared about the pick. <laughs> no, it's okay. Okay, so so tell me about this guitar. Okay, that's 
what I call my one of my most modern designs. So the term modern um, is used in classical guitar building to sort of basically denote that it's uh, got some new designs and materials used in the construction. So uh, a bit of carbon fibre, different um, strutting patterns, different ideology with um, the way the guitar works to a traditional guitar. Uh, what do you mean? Well, like you picked it up and you noticed it was heavy. Yes. So that's basically from more timber. Uh, there's more timber in the sides and the back. It's a more rigid back and sides. But on the flip, flip side, the, the top is very light and very flexible. Okay, so rigid back and sides would mean more sustain? Yeah, basically. It may, means more sustain. It also usually means more depth in sound. For my guitars, I th- like to think um, they have a lot of warmth. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was the other thing I noticed about this. It's incredibly warm. Yeah, It's a lot yeah. warmer than the last time I remember playing yours, which was five yeah. or six years ago. For sure. That model you've got there, that guitar, is probably the most, the warmest sounding guitar that I make. Yeah, right. Not just because it's a cedar guitar, but also because of the way it's built. Oh, cedar, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay, so it's a lot physically heavier mm-hmm. than the last one of yours I played. Sure. I know exactly what the weights are too, so uh, just compare them um, because people often pick them up if they're used to a traditional guitar. Uh, a traditional classical guitar might be around about around about two kilo, maybe a little bit more. Uh, that guitar you've got is probably probably about two point five kilo, maybe a okay. little bit more. And uh, the extreme the extreme weights are usually associated with a, a Smallman guitar, which is another Australian builder. Uh, and oh yeah, yeah, I remember him. So he's still going. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's not doing too badly, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so how much do his guitars go for? Uh, well, I'll t- let's talk about the weight first. So it's okay. like 3.0 to 3.3 kilos. So that gives you an idea where my guitars sit in the weight range. Um, so his are, are extremely heavy, and some people have a lot of problems with the weight, with the weight feels, but other people love them. So, okay. But his, his guitars uh, are probably at the top of the range for price-wise for classical guitar. You're looking at 25 grand. Jesus. Yeah, and that's because I remember when we at uni, he was your rivalry guy. Yeah, I was lots of rivals. Um, <laughs> but but he was one of the the top makers, and I, I think yeah. I think at the time you said he was more like he was definitely single figures. Was it seven or eight grand or something? Uh, I can't remember. One well, might have been about sixteen at that point, but I, it's a long time ago. And, yeah, right. You know, I can't remember who charges what, but Sum and Marty might have been about that range, but eight or nine. These. Oh, sorry. Actually, that was him. Yeah. Is Smallman the guy that John Williams? His guitar, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay, yeah. yeah. So, and, and as a result of that, his his price went to the roof, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, he yeah. did license to print money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take that <laughs> <one out. laughs> but uh, but yeah, uh, back when we were mates doing our guitar thing at uni, the main two main makers were Smallman and Marty. Yeah. And from my perspective, they were level pegging, uh, and um, yeah, it's, it, it's just moved on from there. They're, they're probably you know Smallman's probably definitely the 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 most, uh, not notable, but he's probably the most well-known. So. so they're two sort of leading, the most popular ones, is that uh, right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, a small one is probably the, they're the most popular, I think, yeah. in the sense that um, I don't know if everyone has a small one, but of course, because they're so expensive, but mm. uh, there's, there's a whole offshoot of small one-style guitars being built. Yeah. Um, Lazarag, uh, Kim Lazarag makes, a, a, you know, a good version of a, of a lattice top and... There's quite a few other makers, like uh, like I mentioned before, Sheridan is similar to Lattice Top. I don't know. Where's Sheridan from? He's Perth, from Perth. Okay. Mm. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, fine guitars, and they all sound slightly different. 
you know, each maker doesn't want to be copying another maker. I suppose yeah. they might follow certain ideas, but um, yeah, they're, they're all different. And I think it's 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 uh, it's, it's really easy, I suppose, for people who, to try and understand what's going on uh, with Australian guitars to just lump them all together, which yeah. is you know understandable. It's just way things work. But there is quite a diversity. Um, but that you know, there is certainly consistency. There's always a Australian sort of preference for um, volume and um, sustain and and those sorts of things. And the performance characteristics are really pushed here in Australia. Uh, but the tonally, tonally, they are like they can be quite different, especially when you're talking about a, a traditionally constructed guitars. They're tonally very different. So back at a certain point of time, um, I remember like your guitar making career was really accelerating uh, in quality with every guitar you made and in terms of every time I spoke to you, your price was going up. Um, and so recently you've said that, you know, the market's bottomed out or whatever, like that hasn't seemed as viable. And yeah. so so where did, like, where did that happen where it seemed like you had a good career out of making guitars and then it seemed to sort of deteriorate a little bit like what happened there well and when was that well i suppose about four or five years ago okay <coughs> um so so that was your peak would you say yeah it's 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 funny because it's got nothing to do with the instruments it's 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 a really bizarre scenario um the instruments so, keep so getting 2010 better. around that so that not yeah I so blame, basically when yeah. the when the economy downturned. Well, I blame Newman and Abbott. <laughs> if anyone, if, if anyone uh, doesn't know who Newman and Abbott is, uh, probably people who aren't in Australia. Um, Campbell Newman was our state premier, and Abbott. Um, I'm not allowing these left wing views. To <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we're probably talking to a lot of musicians, so we're probably all left wingers here. Uh, there are a few white wing uh, musicians, I do know. But uh, yeah, Abbott was our prime minister, and uh, they, I think, really screwed, uh, screwed around to things. But uh, okay. It was like someone turned off a tap, but um, yeah, right, really. Yeah, it was just like it was just like night and day. But uh, it was it's bizarre. But uh, yeah, it's 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 a tough industry. It always is a tough industry. So um, so so what policy changed things for you? Well, I can't really say. It's probably in really in, in reality, it's probably more than that. Obviously, it's yeah. got a lot of it's a lot of con, you know a lot of <clears> conflicting <throat> and confusing factors going in. It's really hard to know why things happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but basically, it felt pretty sudden for you. Yeah, well, I work in a dissident recession here in Australia too. I've had to um, look overseas a bit more than I used to. Uh, when the GFC came, I was um, doing a lot of uh, um, sales in Australia, and that worked out well. But then uh, Australia seemed to be hit um, by recession. It seems like that for me anyway. Um, a lot of a lot of manufacturing um, businesses um, closing down. This, my brother sent me a photo of Peacock sharp, um, saw sharpening. They just closed down. Well, they seem to close their work, their, their office at least. Um, got Brims, that was a while ago now. That's one of the most established um, plywood manufacturers in Brisbane. It's closed down. Lazaridis, one of the best uh, timber yards in, Australia, in, uh, in Brisbane. It's closed down. Um, yeah, it's just in my, you know, there's all empty warehouses everywhere. But this is the manufacturing side. Can't say that's, you know... It's probably just a general downturn. I think a lot of people are suffering um, general economic state at the moment. From one of my friends who goes a lot of travel overseas says a lot of um, <coughs> Spanish makers gone belly up. So uh, at one point you were going overseas quite a lot. Um, 
and taking your guitars to universities in America and Europe, is that right? Yeah, a part of it, um, selling guitars is travelling and showing people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's always good to do as much as that as you can, but obviously it just takes time and money, so it's not something you can easily do, especially if you've got a family. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And so when was the last time you went overseas? And when was that? Would have been America, USA. So whereabouts did you go in America? That was Ohio at that time. It's just where the um, GFA was. It's a Guitar Federation. America. Okay. Yep. Um, the festival, uh, but it changes place every year. So um, I'm not sure where it is now. But uh, that would have been the last time. That was quite a while ago now. When was that? Oh, can't remember. <laughs> so I remember the last time we used to talk about this when I was thinking about rebuying another one. Mm-hmm. Um, my tone always seemed to be kind of a bit brighter than this. Um, you were showing me some Amazonian guitars. Sure. And me, lacking moral conscience, <laughs> thought, <laughs> fuck the rainforest. Although I do love trees, so I shouldn't say that too much. Um, but, yeah, I always liked the, the brighter. Uh, I think I like the brighter sound, yeah. The first thing I would think of if someone wants a brighter sound is a, is a word spruce. So yeah, yeah, That's yeah. the top okay. timber. So yeah. Um, if you wanted... Um, and is that stiffer? Yeah, it is. It's stiffer, it's stronger, it's heavier. Yeah. It's harder. Uh, and even if I was to make a guitar that, like the one you've got there in spruce, it would sound... It would sound it'd still sound really warm and it would be really full, but it would still sound... More focused on that one because it sound would be spruce. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so for me, uh, I mean, I'm a, I'll, I guess I've got a personal thing for spruce. I like spruce. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they've both got their, you know, their own qualities. Uh, the thing I like about spruce is it feels like um, there's a lot, there's uh, there's more articulation. Uh, mm. For me, anyway, that's it. Feels like the, it's cl- it's a clearer sound. You tended to, um, from memory, do brighter guitars. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was probably more so I'm surprised by... you've gone to the dark side. Well, I mean, I make different models, and so you only seen one. So, yeah, yeah, that is the darker side I've got. This is definitely um, dark. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, um, I make a brighter sounding instrument. I make three different models uh, in spruce and cedar. So there's basically six guitars in the classical range. Oh, really? Make, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and often people don't understand that too. They have to tell them all the time. So there's the traditional guitar, which is probably the most bright sounding guitar. Really? Yeah, and that's okay. more like your steel string, I guess. It'd be a fairly light feeling, you know, light body instrument. Yeah. Um, but there's certain things you have to give up if you're going that way. Uh, they usually don't have as much sustain or depth or, you know, weight to the sound, as much volume. They usually take a little bit more effort to pull volume out. Um, not all the time, but uh, this is generally speaking. Um, there's a mid-range, mid-range guitar make, which is between the one you've got there and the traditional. It's a little bit of a combination of the two. Yeah. Um, but they're all always changing too. The different models are always tweaking them. Yeah. Um, like my traditional model now, which is what I call the C400, is um, is going right back to being really fairly traditional. Um, I might even, I'm even thinking of taking out the carbon struts. Uh, so things things keep changing and evolving depending on what sound. I'm trying to basically focus the sound qualities onto each model so yeah, that yeah. they sound as distinct um, and as appropriate as I feel that they should for that model. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay, so just as a comparison, um, here's a steel string one. Actually, it sounds a bit softer. So this is a Des Anthony mm -hmm. um, spruce top uh, Brazilian rosewood. It's funny. It sounds a bit softer. Is that right? You reckon the, you reckon the, the, the um, steel string sounds softer? A tiny bit softer, yeah. Yeah, it's funny from here. It, it sounds, it's definitely brighter. Yeah, yeah definitely brighter. It's the steel going. But I'm playing it a bit louder. See, I'm playing. I'm picking it harder. Okay, sure. Well, it could be in that, in that, in that case. I mean, they sound fairly similar from here. Okay. Uh, in Volume fact, your, wise. the steel string sounds probably a tiny bit louder, but um, but if you're playing it harder, then it's, um, it's hard to sort of know. subject as well because it can depend like you're saying you obviously got different instruments different style of instruments steel strings um, they respond differently to, to pick like you're saying and also guitars respond differently to to uh, the nature of the player you know how they play how they how they sort of had the rapport they have with the instrument yeah so true. yeah it is it's really it's actually quite complex and and it, it also depends a lot on the venue some guitars sound better in some venues than others okay I even get surprised myself. I'll listen to a guitar in one venue and I think, oh, that sounds terrible. And I'll look at, listen to another venue and it sounds, oh, it sounds pretty good. And um, it's so much, when you're listening um, at, at quite a fine level, uh, there's, there's things like venues and, and positioning of, of the player in the venue um, and the player rapport with the guitar almost make just as much difference as the guitar itself. I remember there's a concert we had my guitars playing in with Karen Schaup, um with her students and Karen was there uh, helping the students just set up and um, one of the students who's a very fine player was was playing along and playing these pieces <coughs> quite difficult and he's playing very well but it was something about the sound it was just a little bit subdued and okay. and Karen yelled out move two meters you know towards us and he moved two meters two meters and it was just like night and day really yeah the sound was just and clear. that was un that was unamplified yeah this is in the church so yeah right. It was, sounds clear, you know, you know, like loud. You know, it was it was well different. So, um, and you think about, you know, people in, the, in a group of players, and they might be pointing different directions in the in the in the, in the venue, sitting different um, situations, and depending on your sitting. I've been in venues before where um, in Sweden where my friends have been playing, and we, we sat in different chairs, and I found we found a chair that was absolutely no sound. All the noise had cancelled to this chair, and it was like if you sat in that chair during a concert, you'd get, get no sound at all. It was, it was quite funny. We all, had a bit, we all had a turn at having a go. Really? Yeah. It was, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there is a reason for that, but to, when you say you hear, heard no sound, mm. that's a tiny bit hard to believe. Well, maybe there was some sound, but we're telling yeah, yeah. you, it was like it was almost. I mean, because you can certainly set up microphones to cancel each other, mm. but but you'll still hear it, but it'll just be like. Yeah, but I mean, tell you, it, it, was, it was a difference between. Like someone whispering, someone shouting. That was the difference. It was, wow, it was, it was quite significant. Yeah, it was probably a, uh, probably a, a side effect of that particular auditorium. Yeah, but um, it's still it's possible. Yeah, now that I play this, now it's a bit loud. It's definitely loud. And the trick of volume two is it's it 
it's a, it is, it's a funny concept because the ultimate volume is possible from a guitar. Two guitars might be the same, but it might be really easy to, to produce volume at a yeah, really yeah. low level of input yeah, on yeah. one guitar. Yeah. And to a player who uh, doesn't produce a lot of power, that's a guitar for them possibly. But mm. That might be the guitar that makes their life a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You're someone who just wants the power on. Uh, they'll just make that guitar probably sound a bit muddy, and so they'll want a different instrument. Yeah, um, yeah. It was interesting. So you you mentioned um, I can't remember how you phrased it, but it was something like um, if they connect with the guitar, they'll play it a lot better. Or it, I, you didn't rapport. say it like that, but you said something like that. Rapport is what I used. To yeah, use, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's for me when I make a guitar for somebody. It's it's almost more about the rapport with the guitar than anything else. That's so, interesting. Yeah, we get this level where. Um, even usually, even when I make a guitar for, usually at a really good level of playing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they all want really tiny differences. All these tiny, different, tiny little differences are so important to them. Yeah, right. Um, you've got to really try your hardest to accommodate um, these differences. And is that and, partly an intuitive thing? Like when you meet the person. Yeah, I mean it's everything. You got to like with anything that's done well, you have to consider everything. So you use your intuition a lot, but you also have to get as much information as you can. So you talk to them as much as you can. Uh, it's 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 tricky too because some people will also, when they're young and they're taught, they'll learn to play a certain instrument. They'll be trained basically to play a certain instrument, and they'll be playing. And, and the way they're trained, either consciously or unconsciously, will be by the teacher who plays this instrument. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. so they'll be taught a technique <clears throat> and they'll be taught to listen. Mm. And uh, and so they end up, you know, needing an instrument that basically has all these characteristics. So um, they come to you and they come with a whole set of preconceptions and... and like um, from their, kind of from their teacher? Yeah, basically. Teacher, environment, atmosphere. Like if you go to, like you're saying, if you're in Australia, you'll, you know... 90% or 80% of the chance that you'll be taught, taught a certain way. Uh, and, and, and so what taught. way is that? Well, you'll be, you'll be not, well, because you'll be, you learn to be open to a specific, you know, a, a style of music, a style of playing, a style of instrument. And, uh, and, and I suppose what comes with that is a style of technique. Whereas if you go to Europe, you might get a totally different um, okay. approach. So what do you do? Um, this is an interesting sort of dilemma for me in the studio. Like, what do you do when someone comes and say they want X, Y, Z, and but you see them as a person and you think differently to what they say they want? Mm-hmm. Do you ever have that happen? Well... If they say that's what they want, even though you, you hear them play, it seems to be indicating a different thing. Yeah. Do you just say, okay, they said that, I'm going to go with that? Yeah, I've always got to be mindful that um, as much as I think I'd like to hear them playing something else or doing something differently. That's my opinion too. Okay. So I've got to be really. I'm I'm the sort of person who doesn't. I know there's lots of associates and and teachers and players who are uh, who would be more than willing to, um, you know, direct yeah, know, yeah. client or, or, or the student a certain way, which is fair enough. I understand that completely. But I really feel reluctant to to do that. I've, okay. I'm, if they say X, Y, and Z, and even mm-hmm. though. It seems to go against what you perceive is the natural instinct. You'll just go with that anyway. Well, I'll try my best to accommodate that within what I need to do. You know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. they come to me. They usually have seen an instrument, or they have a reputation they've followed, and they come to me for a reason. And I'll show them an instrument or two, and, and if they don't like anything, then 
that's understandable. You, know, you move on your way, you find another maker. <laughs> uh, if they like what I'm doing but they want something you know, along different lines, I'll, I'll try my best to accommodate that. Okay. And that's me. I know that other makers might not do that. Um, I won't go into details, but uh, you know, there's some makers will just make one guitar and that's it. And if yeah, you don't like yeah, it, that's yeah. your problem. Yeah. And they might have a rep- reputation that allows them to do that. Yeah, or, yeah. you know, it's sort of a market base. But um, So do you ever find that, like, um, they say they want such and such and you go with that, but maybe your hunch is something else? Does that ever sort of backfire? Like, like mm. do they ever come back and, you know, want it as you had the hunch for? Or, or is it always what they say is consistent with what they say they want. Yeah, I don't find that um, it's necessarily that my hunch is right and theirs is wrong. I, f- I find that... Your hunch as in what they say uh, versus what they say. Yeah, um, I don't know if I find that that much just because... Um, so in other words, what people say ends up being what they want? Is that right? Well, I suppose my point of view is that I have to understand what they say and I have to um, decipher. Okay, so, big, so you've got to discern. Yeah, the, I mean, I always feel that people say something for a reason and and I don't always have to feel that my tastes or my values align with them. And I can, say, so I can sort of say that, no, I think um, that doesn't sound very good. Mm. Um, but, I, but I've always, you know, I have to always acknowledge that what they are hearing. Mm. There's, something, there's something about they're trying to communicate to me mm. that is real for them. Yeah, and, yeah. And I don't want to dictate to them, you know, what sort of guitar they should play. But I'll explain it in another way, mm-hmm. if this makes sense. Yeah. Sometimes you get people, they sound like a blues artist mm-hmm. and they say they want pop. And so oh, then okay. I'm in a dilemma. Oh, fuck. Uh, well, yes. <laughs> like I... their songs kind of, like, you know what I mean? How a certain sound or singer or whatever, mm-hmm. like they sound like a certain genre or vibe. But then intellectually they say, I want to sound like Katy Perry or or. Like or like Katy Perry's doing well in the charts or something like that. So they kind of, the songs they write sound different mm-hmm. to the genre they want us they want to basically promote, or, and but the genre they want to promote it might be for um, pop reasons or like you know commercial success. Sure. And the reason I ask the question is because I often have a dilemma because I'm mm-hmm. sitting there thinking, okay, they sound like such and such but they're saying they want such and such. Mm. And so then there's a gap between what they say and what they sound like yeah. to me. Think, and, and of yeah. course, then there's my perception. Yeah, I think I understand what you're saying now. Um, I think it's more something you'd have to deal with more than me just because yeah, you're yeah. dealing with the music side of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Whereas when they come to me, uh, players, you know, they sort of decided that I'm just sort of providing the service in the sense that you're not, I'm not guiding them musically. True. I mean, true. yeah, but it is interesting because I imagine the conditioning. Instead of in my situation, basically, the conditioning is okay. The pop, you know, like whatever's commercially mm. successful. But maybe in your situation, it's whatever the teacher said. But what the teacher said might be a bit different to what the, yeah, the client. Yeah, well, after plenty of times, I've had people come to me and they like a certain thing, and, and I've always secretly thought, <laughs> <laughs> secretly thought, no, I don't like that. You shouldn't like that either. But yeah. you go with it anyway. Well, I, I usually, um, if it's really conflicting with what I'm doing, then it usually doesn't work out anyway because people, you know, go somewhere else. Okay. But um, yeah, I try to always find common ground. That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Um, and trying to be upfront and honest with stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I probably am not probably not answering your question the way you want me to. But oh no no, like I mean that's just yeah. I mean that's projecting from my business to your yeah. business. I was yeah. just wondering if it. If I it can relates. see it really being really relevant relevant to you because you're just you're you're talking about 
their abilities to produce sound and their, what they're naturally good at and what they actually can do well. Yeah. Whereas um, I'm trying to facilitate whatever they decide. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's times where, you know, the best clients are always the clients that just want a nice guitar, you know. Mm. They just want – they want to come to you and they want to have something to play and they'll listen to the instrument and they'll understand the instrument. It's like having, you know, a, a finding a partner – and having them come to you wanting some other guy. But, you know, if Probably they come to good... you... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But if they come to you looking at you and trying to understand you and getting the best out of you, then that sort of works better. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. So um, they're, they're the best clients, the ones... But sometimes clients come to me and they don't know what they want, really. They sort of say they want something and they don't really understand that. Okay. what that comes with, you know. It's like someone comes to me... It's like someone coming to you because you could be driving an Audi or something and they go, oh, I want, you know, uh, you know, a girl comes to you because you're driving <laughs> a really nice shiny car. And that's what I want. I want a guy who has a really nice shiny car and they find out that's the only thing you've got that's <laughs> nice and shiny. You know, you're living in a hovel or something. Um, but, you know, it's, um, yeah, sometimes people don't always have a, they sort of sort of know what excites them at the time, but they don't really and this is where teachers come in handy, I suppose. So there's always yeah, a, yeah, yeah. there's always a, sometimes teachers can be um, difficult because they will funnel a student in a certain way. Yeah. Um, and uh, so you might not always agree with that, mm-hmm. but sometimes you just really need them because there's some consistency there and yeah. there's some education there, and you need and it's you need some sort of um, uh, some sort of um, some sort of uh, consistency of thought instead of just an emotional sort of reaction to something on the, at the time, which will never last, you know. So, you know, if they like, they come to you and they say, oh, I've heard this and I like this and can you make this? And you go, oh, okay, well, okay, is this what you want? They go, yeah, and, then you, and you make it. And the next time they come around, they go, oh, that's not what I want. Um, that can happen. Yeah. So, um, it can be quite frustrating for everybody. Yeah. yeah. Um, not very often, though. Most clients really, you know, yeah. pretty much understand what's going on. So, so we had Campbell Ross do some... Um, that's right, Campbell's got some good recordings, I think. Uh, so he did some recordings here yeah. with your guitars. years where was your biggest joy with the guitar making like I kind of have some recollection of um you talking about you know wood snapping or something or or shit in the fan and and you wanting to (laughs) and you wanting to kill someone um yeah like can you take me through that so basically like you know the joy in that process and the reward but also, on the other hand, like, 
I imagine at times it'd be a bit frustrating or whatever. Yeah, I certainly had frustrating times. In fact, you know, a lot of them, but um, a lot of joy as well. And joy yeah. comes all through the process, I, I suppose, really. It, yeah. You have to really, as much as, you know, some processes are pretty mind-numbing and you just don't look forward to them at all. Yeah. Sometimes the joy is just finding another way to do it. <laughs> and okay. Finding... You know, just finding it, problem solving is a big part of it, really. Just Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, okay, so, so give me a problem that you need to solve. Well, one of the biggest problems I had um, initially, many years ago, was uh, intonation. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Intonation yeah. with classical guitars is always a little bit tricky. Um, yeah, yeah, There's yeah. so many different uh, factors going on. And it's, and it's funny that too, because I remember we had that discussion lots of times. Like, because yeah. I was so used to perfection with, sti- with yeah, steel strings electric and, and steel yeah, string. And sure. it's like, yeah, that, mm. that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's 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 confusing to the point where even today I was still you know it's, it's, you just sometimes don't know why things aren't you know, okay. working the way you meant to. Mm. Um, and wood moves too. Yeah, wood moves. It's it's a classical guitars are very sensitive instruments. They got yeah, a lot of yeah. overtones. A lot of uh, it's it just about everything you can think of has an effect on tuning. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know the resonant frequency of the instrument, uh, the, the, how much sound there is. Like my guitars are very full and warm, as you noticed. A lot of overtones, um, yeah. which makes them lovely in some ways, of course, but um, makes tuning difficult. You got a lot of the more color, the more modulation you have, the more overtones you have, the more um, conflict you have um, during the sustain of the instrument to, of the note with other notes, okay. um, and things are. And that affects the intonation. Well, it can do at the very fine point at the fine level. So some people will be happy with this, but anything you give them because you know they they'll just play and they'll they won't hear this you know, the the other stuff that goes on yeah and but other people will be really over the top you know really like you <laughs> really over the top about it so um i'm told but, that across yeah a lot of areas but anyway yeah. but that's you know that's sort of my job really so i have to deal with extremes after if you like if you're making a formula one car you don't you don't um, build brakes to to do you know go to the shops with you know you don't, yeah yeah you, you gotta yeah. you gotta expect that you're going to have a you know you're going to have a supplier or a driver who's going to expect more than the average person so you've got to do as much as you can so and also as you say like different drivers come with a different personality yeah that's right and people some, everyone's got and different a different limits. perception yeah different perception different limits some people apparently are so sensitive to certain um intervals that they can't play um, like this cannot play guitar, or even if it's perfectly tuned, they can't e- equal temperament. Apparently, this doesn't work for them. Yeah, well, I, so, I don't know if it relates, but um, but I just find I find it very hard to play, even though I don't play piano. Mm. I find it hard to play an acoustic piano just because I just hear it out of tune. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. and it's just and and you know, there's always people who can play way better than I, but I'm just thinking that sounds out of tune to me. Yeah, that's and right. so so I'll opt for electric piano. Mm. Um, just because I love having it perfectly in pitch. <laughs> what do you do for the electric panel? You have a, a key that you have it um, set to and you have it in tune for a certain key. Is that what you do with the piano, with electric piano? Oh, no, no. Is like that, it, it can be any key, but basically okay. it doesn't matter where I play. Okay, you're talking about basically a natural um, detuning of, of a piano that just happens. Well, like the... on acoustic piano, for example, if you go down the bass notes, I just find it's just yeah, most sure. piano it's out of tune. Well, that's, that's, a, yeah, that's a normal part of um, you know physical life with instruments but yeah, yeah I, I was sort of referring more to equal temperament so um which is a bit um a bit more uh, what does that mean? crazy <laughs> a bit more a bit more on the edge so so what does temperament mean? well equal temperament if, uh, if you're not familiar which is basically what you use in the piano these days modern modern tuning so yeah 
uh, it's basically a compromise. So every every, oh, I see. Yep. every note plays. So you can play any key, and every note sort of sounds roughly okay. Okay. But there are some intervals just don't sound quite right. Okay. You'll play them, and you go, okay, oh, yep. you know. Um, whereas, uh, I'm not an expert on this, but it's just um, during my years of playing guitars and people talking about early instruments, uh, back in the day when early instruments were used, they used to tune the instrument for a key, and everything would play in tune, all the notes would play in tune. Yeah, it's, so, a, it's sort of like a compromise between keys. Yeah, so equal temperament is, 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 is basically modern development, so-called modern, anyway, it's been around for quite a long time, but it's a compromise uh, so that you, everyone can play together in all keys. Yeah, yeah. And um, it makes life easy and makes okay. life, it makes, it's a sensible way of doing things. Um, so, uh, yeah, so it's, it's some people apparently have uh, such an ear that um, they this drives them crazy. <laughs> temperament, but that's pretty rare. Yeah, but, yeah, I'm sure I'm not in that category. Yeah. But, yeah. And there's people with perfect pitch that I don't understand either. <laughs> they, they, they've got pretty amazing ears too. So what would be the, you know, the, the biggest joy that you've got from guitar making over the years you know like if you think about some of your peak moments yeah i think there's a combat there's a technical side which is things like the tuning i was talking about so um resolving um some issues with tu- tuning was was um quite a milestone for me and i quite that was quite a satisfying yeah, yeah okay that was really satisfying not that uh, i can say that every guitar comes out perfectly it just doesn't work that way but um but having more control over the in product is, is is quite a milestone so you felt like you solved a problem yeah problem solving it's like Basically, I worked it for myself. Mm. I worked it from scratch. I didn't, I didn't refer to anyone's work, and so in, and ever since then, I've looked at other people's work, and they've basically done the same thing as me. So there's a few people around the world that have um, doing something, and people are doing similar things. But it's interesting that we all come to the same conclusion. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that that's just the technical side of stuff. There's other things with technical things, you know, problem solving, and and you know, coming past a certain barrier, where you, you do something, and it actually you use your intuition, and you you just rack your brain and you make a change and it works and you go okay that's pretty cool but actually i got louder it gave me the sound i wanted it got the nice tone um it's doing what i want um then there's other things of course like there's uh, recognition which is you know really rewarding so recognition well recognition from players and oh okay like teachers sort of status in the industry yep. yeah status but not just status because you know you can get recognition without having any status from anyone else <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, status, well, yeah, status from a particular person, yeah, I suppose. Uh, but so I remember when I sold your guitar, like, um, they knew who you were, you know, like, and it was notable. Okay, you know, good. like, that's a Lance Litchfield guitar. Yeah. Well, it's nice to be known. That definitely helps. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's certain people that you sort of uh, are hard nuts to crack, if you know what I mean, and there's mm. people that you, as you know, you, you sort of, in, in, your intuition, intuition tells you that they sort of know what you need to be doing. And okay. when you and you show them a guitar, they go, "Yeah, that's that's coming along the way I want." And then you think, "Okay, um, that's quite satisfying." Yeah. Not just because you feel like you've done it yourself, but you just need that confirmation just to sort of guide you mm. a little bit, and that confirms you to them as well. Yeah. Uh, and them to you, so um, that's quite satisfying. That's rewarding. Mm. Um, yeah, I suppose those are the main things I can think of. What about um, like? I mean, I can think of some things, but what are some struggles that you've struggled with? Well, uh, it, uh, uh, pay is always yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like it, it's it's a well known yeah. yeah, it's it's a well known thing that you know guitar makers don't usually earn a lot of money. Um, so you feel like you should be paid more? Well, for what you produce? Well, yes and no. I mean, I'm happy to be paid, you know, 
uh, not really happy actually because <laughs> but it's okay to get paid not a lot of money but you just want to be paid you know and you don't, you don't want to you, you, yeah. you don't want the stress you, you don't want a life of stress yeah. um, the idea of making guitars is to do something you love and and you're willing to give up certain things for that um, but when it comes to your family and yeah, them yeah. having to take the burden then it, it becomes a little less yeah. a little bit more self- selfish so okay. before you have a family it's all you know hunky dory <laughs> um, but, but once you start having to, you know, to you know, come up with other you know, goods, uh, it's, it, it's, it's, it becomes a little bit less justifiable. But um, yeah, yeah, uh, there's all sorts of hard, you know, hard things. But that's probably the main thing. It's just the difficulty of of being a luthier. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so just financially viability, um, it's it's pretty challenging, and and that's your biggest challenge with doing it. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Basically, so, it's, so it's, it's in, in, other words, in other words, those times where the, the timber breaks or mm. you get a fuckwit client, or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, those things are short-term things that they be overcome, yeah. and, they, and it's it's less often. Yeah, they have to admit they are pretty disturbing when you when those things happen. Like, um, remember <clears> the um, time there was a windstorm, and uh, and I put a guitar down. I was making for a client, and uh, it just it was a flamenco guitar. They're really light. And weight, yeah, yeah. And uh, I was used to classical guitars. So ninety percent of the guitars I make are classical guitars and modern heavy style. And this one just blew straight off the. I turned my back and and, and uh, I could hear that sound of of um, timber. Uh, you know, a guitar sounds like when you hit it against concrete, Jesus. <laughs> cracking. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew exactly what was knew exactly what happened, and I just had to turn around to confirm it to me, <laughs> and the extent of the damage. But I was really fortunate. Uh, I managed to put it together. Um, the client wasn't very happy, <coughs> understandably. With, like, cosmetic imperfections? Yeah, it was actually pretty good. I did a good job, and it was really hard to tell. But um, but uh, I said to him, look, just take the guitar, and I'll make another one <coughs> while I, while I um, you know, you can play this while I make another one. And he said, okay, well, and he played it for a few months. And um, It's funny you should say that, because like so. I, think, I think you know this story, but that's what Des Anthony did for me. Okay. Something like that. Mm-hmm. But that pretty much won me for life. Um, so I've been going and sending clients to him for 20 years now. Oh, that's good. Like that one thing. Okay. So definitely, uh, and like I've sent a shitload of people to him. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I think that, yeah. Like I, I think if you had a great experience with someone, you think, wow, they just did something that I would have done, if not better. Sure. Like in terms of uh, looking out for you, mm. like that, that, like that's happened to me just a couple times professionally. It's just like, but if someone does it, it's just like, okay, mm. I'm on for life now. Yeah, I know what you mean. I've had that before as well on the mm. other end. Because it things, doesn't happen very much. Like most yeah. people just, you know. <coughs> no, you know, I've been shafted quite a few times, you know, with buying special things and not um, and not being cared for afterwards. You know, yeah. Things go wrong. Yeah, I mean, that's more normal, yeah. Yeah, I find that the, really the test of things, the test of the quality of 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 what you get is usually when things go wrong. Yeah, if everything yeah. goes well, you don't really notice. You know, everything exactly hunky dory. <laughs> when things like, go wrong, you really sort of things think things show up, and you really appreciate. Yeah, yeah, it's um, like a, it's like a person. Yeah, just in any relationship, it's like yeah, you yeah. you know what they're like when shit hits the fan. That's not, right. not so much when things are going well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. What was your question? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so basically the pros and cons. Basically, uh, oh yeah, I remember what I was going to ask you now. Um, yeah, so basically the last question was about your challenges you have with it. Mm-hmm. And you, you mainly said like economic challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever, 
one thing I find in the studio is that, um, like, sort of the quest for perfection kind of can go on forever. And I've already fucked up one relationship with my perfectionism in terms of, like, <laughs> obsessiveness. Okay. And, like, do you, like... Um, so, like, so basically, so for example, in in the song world, um, sometimes you can just go on forever correcting stuff. Um, and what I find with songs is that, like, there can be a certain point where it's not perfect, but it feels right, and mm-hmm. and that's normally where I stop. Okay. Um, but for example, with clients, like, I know that I get it more perfect than they hear, um, but. But also, I don't know, sometimes there's a point where you think, oh, is this good enough how it is? Like, do you ever, with guitar making, is it ever sort of, is the statue ever, like, do you ever, like, do you always kind of carve it till it's absolutely perfect in your head? Like, is there ever a gap between what you think is perfect and what the client thinks is perfect? And like, do you always just get it to what you think is absolutely right? Even though at some point, sometimes... You could have to do another forty hours on it, or or basically, if the client's happy, Bob's your uncle. Is that how that works? Or? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really big gray area you're talking about. I think. Yeah, yeah, really, I, I know, I know. Yeah, so it's, it's all every single time you draw that line, it's 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 on a case by case basis. Yeah, yeah. Look, look it's yeah, kind so. of like, okay, so I'll have some songs that sort of like, okay, this sounds pretty good. Am I going to spend another twenty hours mm. auto correcting that pitch? Well, that the, nobody else is yeah. going to hear, but I can still hear an issue. Yeah. Well, the biggest <laughs> the biggest problem with guitar making and making stuff in general is that in art and everything is that is a risk where you try to make something better, you actually make something worse. Yeah, yeah, I've done that too. So uh, you really got it's really important. It's just not because you don't want to waste time or you don't want to, um, you know, just you know overdo something it's yeah, actually yeah. it's a point where you, you sort of know that the risks start becoming pretty high where you yeah, yeah. Should, like if you make look, say if someone brings a, a guitar to me it's got a fingernail mark in it on a really thin top um i'll usually tell them not to worry about it because the chances of me fixing that well and fixing it to the point where it's better than it was when you brought it in yeah and that's purely cosmetic isn't it yeah purely cosmetic because you know it it takes a lot of work just to try and make something a little bit better and the chances of something going wrong during that process is um, quite high. So and then, I usually try to tell them, you know. Yeah, and also if it. it goes wrong, I imagine it fucks up the audio. Is that right? Well, if you do something like, I mean, anything can happen. Like, you could drop a chisel on top on the top. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the cat, like I've had, you know, when, you know when we had chickens? You remember that chicken photo? Had a, that chicken came into our my workshop and, <laughs> and um, put a big scratch on one of my tops and the guitar. <laughs> you know that's why I wasn't too keen on chickens coming to the workshop. But, Classic. Uh, yeah, that sort of stuff. You know, I've, yeah, that sort of stuff. If you if chickens I was lucky, are bastards. Yeah, they I, are. Yeah, they're not really. In fact, one of our clients here, like we ha- we have no more chickens because I got taken by wild dogs. Yeah, we had the same problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this chicken used to take clients' lunch. Like when they weren't looking. <laughs> and the chicken would shit in the studio. Yeah, they got no shame, have they? <laughs> yeah. At least I was laid an egg, it wasn't so bad. But, yeah. Um, oh, but yeah. Oh, and, and the thing about these chickens is they lay no eggs. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? You're doing nothing. It's roast chicken, that's what we call that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so with that, that was lucky. I was lucky because I got away with that one and I was sanded that top 
and it was in a place that was okay. Yeah, but right. um, if that you know that could be a structural problem if it was somewhere else. So so, so are you better at um, okay? So basically, it's diminishing returns sort of concept. Like, are you better? I mean, because definitely I fucked up some songs by mainly my own by becoming obsessed. Because mm-hmm. I mean, with your own, you've got more investment in it. Yeah. Um, I've gone too far with clients a little bit. Uh, more if they've asked me to. So I've gone past a point of that I think is a good idea. Mm. Um, so has that just got better with experience where you kind of discern where that diminishing returns slash we're going to fuck it up yeah, equation I think so. is? I think you sort of know what people want and what they will put up with. And If you get a client who's really specific and will let you know exactly, you know, it starts being really picky about stuff, you'll, you'll make the extra effort to make sure that, you know, they're happy. And but most of the time you won't need to because people won't care if there's a microscopic, you know, glue line somewhere that um, yeah. that you can't see unless you you know shine it in the light at a certain angle. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. That's sort of stuff. But on another totally you know different you know, perspective on that same topic, um, as a as a business, um, I I sort of really identify with that because um, at the at there's some point where you say you know because I'm the sort of guy who. Um, I, tr- I want to be creative. I don't want to make something someone else has made, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to, you know, my guitars are Lance for guitars. Mm, and they sound mm, the way they do. Mm. And if you want a guitar like mine, then you come to me and I'll make a, you know, fantastic guitar for you. Mm. Um, I don't want to be the sort of guy who just copies some other maker. Exactly. Who wants to follow, funnel down that avenue. So mm. in some ways... Um, are, are you doing the steak knives thing? Because I, I did recommend... <laughs> <laughs> Free set of steak knives. One guitar, free set of steak knives. But no, I sincerely hope you, you did take up that suggestion. No, yeah, well, it didn't work. <laughs> no, but um, so, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a business-wise, it's a dilemma because, you know, maybe in some ways I'd be better off doing that, you know, but at end to, of the day, you know. Like, like to capitulate to what the client wants, mm-hmm. is that what you mean? Well, just to funnel down the mainstream, basically. Okay. You know, my life would probably be a lot, you know, if I was a bit more... Um, business, maybe if I was a bit more cutthroat, a bit more pragmatic. You sure about that? Because normally the people who seem to do well do carve out their own thing. Yeah, I guess so. And, and, and I think that there's truth in that, and that's why I really wanted to do my own thing as well. But mm. I haven't been totally convinced that copying someone is going to help. But um, yeah, yeah. But I can sort of see there's, there is a mainstream. It might have been worse. Things might have got worse if you did. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think mm. so. I mean. But there is definitely a mainstream, and it's it's quite tempting to fall into that because you just know that sometimes people just come to you because if you use the word lattice in your in your description of guitar, and I've had to tell people I don't actually make lattice, and I don't hear from them again. Okay. You know, just keywords, you know, certain keywords that people, you know, will latch onto because they they assume that certain guitars, you know, a certain way, and I have to spend a lot of time you know, trying to explain to people what I'm doing. And it's not until I have a rapport with somebody, you know, have a, have a conversation with somebody that I can have a chance to do that. So in some ways, um, <clears throat> I haven't made my life easy, you know, doing my own thing. But that's really the mo- that's where really, really why I'm doing it. You know, I don't want to be. Um, and a lot of makers do do the repair stuff, which you don't do a lot of, do you? Well, I'm happy to do them. I just it's just the market at the moment. There's not a great deal of it for me, mm. but. Um, I mean, I, I have to admit, I do specialise in classical guitar repairs, and I do that very yeah. well, um, especially, you know, tuning issues and other things. So, um, yeah, I'm happy to do those things, but... Uh, so, but, uh, are there less guitar 
classical professional players out there than there used to be, or is it still the same number? Uh, like has that is that I'm just wondering if that market has changed the demand, or yeah. or if that market is the same. Well, it's a good question because um, it's really hard to read. And even though I think there's a lot of classical players out there, and there's mm. a lot of uh, you know there's a lot of really good teachers, and there's a lot of things happening, but there's also a lot of stuff that's been lost. In general, it doesn't. It's never really. I don't really feel guitar has really been nurtured by um, Australian society. So it's yeah. it's always you know it's like. If you're not playing football or, <laughs> or something, it doesn't really get a great, great deal of notice. Um, but do you think that's changed? Mm, yeah, I don't know. A lot of it's basically what usually happens, I find, is there's people doing a lot of work and a lot of stuff, like yourself, you know, doing doing these podcasts and stuff, spending time doing it with, for no money, uh, doing it because they love it and they want mm. to do it. And there's a lot of teachers doing stuff, you know, doing guitar orchestras. Uh, doing all sorts of all sorts of things with students and trying to encourage people to do stuff, guitar societies, and they're not getting paid for it. They're just doing it because they love it, and that's the thing. And they um, they don't get any support. And when the then when in the odd occasion that um, any little bit of support is pulled out from under them, then you know things just um, don't don't get a chance to grow. You know, so yeah. I think there's a lot of good stuff happening, but it's really it's it's um it's really hard work. I think to mm. keep that up and, and to to um, build on build on stuff that's been built before, yeah. that's been put up before. So in, in, I'm a little bit pessimistic in some ways, but optimistic too because there's still a lot of people out there doing it and loving it. Mm. Um, so setting aside the the financial economics of it, like what would you like to do with your guitar making? I mean, uh, you've gone down a warmer tonal category, but, mm-hmm. but but I mean this is just this one guitar I'm hearing, like. What would you like to do with it? Where would you like to take it? Well, I suppose it's it's always an evolving thing, and um, I always talk to players and find out what they want, and it's always educating myself because I'm not a player at that level. Mm. Basically, I'm not a tertiary level player. Um, I haven't played for a long time, but I need to you know, always talk to them and try to find out what you know, the people at this level are requiring. Yeah. Um, so, but for me, you know, I always have to balance that with um, my personal passion yeah which you know i suppose like luthier of my age you know a lot of it stems from julian bream and personally for, for me as well some of the latin um music but uh yeah I, i'm not sure i'm not sure um how that uh how that goes with um you know, you're just gonna see what happens yeah yeah i mean it's always like i say it's always evolving and uh, you're always discovering new things, and my ears always changing. Yeah. Um, you can always say the thing, oh, more volume, more sustain, more this, more that. But uh, it's, it comes to a point where more volume, more sustain doesn't really mean mean a great deal. And even more sustain, you know, that's not really not great for you know early music anyway. So, you know, so that's why I make different model guitars. I, 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 you know, I try to specifically you know cater a guitar for a certain type of music or certain type of player. Certain type of sound, uh, certain type of feel, and uh, try and sort of uh, accumulate the traits that sort of go together in one instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's probably just developing each instrument, each model for me at the moment is probably rare part of the instead of just a sound. I'm trying to cultivate different sounds, but focus these sounds. So, you know, some guitars might prioritise volume, sustain, 
uh, other guitars might prioritize um, you know, separation, clarity, because um, it, it's really pretty much impossible to get everything in one guitar. It just yeah. doesn't happen because they're pretty much yeah. conflicting values, a lot of these things. Okay. And, the, and a lot of these conflicting values, you know, suit different types of music. Yeah. Um, so color, usually usually for classical guitar, color for me is a big thing. Um, and uh, and the solidity of sound is really big for my personal thing. So uh, I'm not really keen on a hollow sounding instrument that has sounds echoey, if you know what I mean. To me, that always always has a sort of negative connotation to me, and I'm really sensitive to that. Whereas other people might not care, you know. Basically, they don't mind a bit of that. Um, but to me, that 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 essence of mid range is a for me it's a Spanish guitar sound, and uh, I try to incorporate that one feature, that one thing that's important to me through all my guitars, um, while trying to manipulate volume, sustain, um, color, tonal range, playability. Um, response all these things basically come into all the guitars but they have different priorities yeah. okay so is there anything um, so I'll, I'll whack out a little bit of uh, high end classical playing in a second uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny that was a serious comment okay. um, use a whammy bar this time <laughs> um, is there anything you want to say to our four or five listeners out there <laughs> You better check that roast in the oven. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, I don't think I've got much to say. I think, um, yeah. Just get out there and listen to more music and enjoy it, really. That's all it's all about. Folks, hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Have a great day. This is a Tall Tree Recording Studios podcast. Oh, yeah.